just talking to me, revising, just speaking to me all the way up until last night, even this morning. Um, and so last night, uh, my wife was looking through her laptop, and, and it had pictures going way back to when we first got married. So for those that don't know, we approaching 18 years. Amen. Of marriage. Next month. Amen. So we were looking through pictures and um, just going all the way back and seeing younger youths. Amen. And um, wedding pictures from when people got married. Um, hospital pictures for babies that are getting ready to turn five and um, graduations from high school, from college, just all types of pictures. There were pictures of of my mother-in-law, amen, and just looked totally different, amen, just, um, and I just, I remember, you know, all of, and it was so much, y'all, I'm going somewhere with this, it was so much. Um, pictures of uh, renovations to our ho- to our home, um, so it was literally like I was looking back over my life, and I just said, "God, I, done, I, done, I have had up until this point a great life." Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I have had a great life. Yeah. Amen. And as I was looking at the pictures when we got done, just the Lord said something to He just just like this thought just was like, if you notice. None of the none of the things in the picture mattered. It was all about the feeling that the people in the picture gave you, regardless of what house you was at, regardless of what you was eating or what was going on around that time. It was the people that were bringing the memories back. And while the majority of those memories were positive, some of them. You know, they they kind of they kind of made me grieve a little bit because some people, you know, you looking back over years, some people no longer here. Amen. Some people have walked away from the church. Amen. Some people have made decisions that have allowed things to happen to them. So to happen to them, so it was crazy seeing this person with a smile on their face and then looking at twenty twenty two and knowing what they're going through right now. And I was just saying, God, it didn't have to be like it. It didn't have to be like this because they were right here in 2013. Like all they had to do was make a decision or a choice to serve you. And it didn't have to be or turn out like how it turned out now. Amen. And so then I said, and so then I said, and it's going to be the same way 10 years from now. I'm going to look back 10 years from now at 2022. And I wonder who's going to still be in the pictures. Right? Who's still going to have a smile on their face. Right? And we take that for granted because in 2013, my mother-in-law could remember us. And now she can't. And we take that for granted. It's like you're looking at the pictures. It seemed like, man, that was just yesterday. Right? Looking at pictures of my son in, in, like, in preschool. I'm like, now he's in, going to the seventh grade. It's like... That was just yesterday. Right? right. Right? Time. And it seems like we have so much of it, but we don't. Right, right. Right? And so this series that God has me getting ready to go to or go into is going to be about vision. And I said, God, I say, I I say I need to use a book 
that I don't read too often. I say, because I need to fill up on the word myself. And he took me to Zechariah. And so I'm going to be preaching out of this book and, and I'm going to be talking about vision. And I know when we hear that word, a lot of times, you know, people start thinking about their vision boards and all the things that they want to do and where they want to go for God and what they want God to give them. But no, I'm specifically talking about when you look back over your life. Not, not not all that surrounding stuff like I was explaining in that picture. Not what you want God to do. You know, people do them vision boards and they have their wedding dress up there and the type of house they want and the type of car they want and, and pictures of, of money or jobs or whatever that is. Like their vision is like they, they trying to paint this picture of what they want God to give them. But that's not what I'm talking about on today. I'm talking about where do you want to be with the Lord? Where do you want to be with the Lord five, ten years from now, even a month from now? Where do you want to be with the Lord? Where do you see yourself going? Where do you see your family going? Right. What are you praying over your children and hoping for? Right. As these graduates this weekend go across the stage and, you know, everybody's feeling good. But how many of y'all remember when y'all were in high school and you look back and you don't see you ain't seen none of them folks no more? Some of them dead and gone. Some of them in jail. Some of them on drugs. Like, right? So that that one day is just like when you get married. That one day you happy, you spend that money, everybody cheering, and then two years later you ain't married no more. Amen. Right? And all of that has to do with vision. It's like what are you what are you hoping and trusting and looking to God for, so you know what you're striving towards. Okay, so here we go. So vision, the definition, the vi- the definition for vision is the state of being able to see. It's the ability to think or plan the future with wisdom. And that's what God is asking us to do today, right? He's not asking us to be a fortune teller, right? He's not asking like I, I don't know where I'm gonna be in five years, but he knows. He knows. So if I trust him, if I go to him. He can help me plan out my steps. He can order my steps in his word. He can help me plan out my future, not just by what I want, but with wisdom. In the Bible, the word vision is often used as an encounter with God where he imparts, which means he gives special revelation, often intuitively. Meaning it's intuition, it's that feeling like sometimes we say, you know, we're going to see somebody and we say, I don't know why I had to come see you today, but I just had this feeling like I just needed to call and, and check on you. It's that intuition, right? A lot of times we think about vision, we think about that this supernatural thing, but sometimes God is painting. Think about what a mental image is. It is a vision. You see something, even though it's not right before your eyes, you see it in your head. And God can give you that. He can lead you to where you're supposed to go. So in the Bible, the word vision is often used as an encounter with God where he gives special revelation, often using intuition in dreams or in dark sayings, right? Or in dark sayings. And so as I talk about this today, I want y'all to understand that I'm using this. I'm using this word vision as not only about What's to happen in the future? Because a lot of times that's what we think about when we think about vision, like what's going to happen in the future. But God can give you vision for today. 
He can he can give you he can give you something to do today. Right. You don't have to wait until tomorrow. You can do it today. He can speak to you today. He can show you something today. So I'm talking about not just vision for the future, but for today, making choices today based on what God wants you to do. And so the scripture that I was going to read before before I got into this, you know, like we normally do. Is Proverbs 29 and 18, and I and I have two different versions of it, right? The King James Version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he, right? And, and, and I like that King James Version because when you read it, it seems like personal to an individual, right? Where there is no vision, the people perish. You can feel that, like, where there's, you can look, you can look at it. Y'all know some people, right? Y'all know some people that have so much promise. You look at where they started and then you look at them now and you like, you in the same spot. And so even though they are physically still alive, you can literally see them wasting away. Like, how old are you? Right? I, I look at some I look at some of my students that I taught when they were in high school, and I'm trying to figure out why they look just as old as I look. Right? Why why are you in your 20s and I'm in my 40s and we look like we the same age? And a lot of that has to do with vision. Like when you don't have no direction, what are you doing? You're wondering. So the Good News Translation says a nation without God's guidance is a nation without order. And so not only does this principle apply in our individual lives, it applies to church houses, it applies to cities, it applies to states, it applies to countries. When a nation does not have God's guidance, it is without order, right? But in spite of that, the word tells us happy are those that keeps God's law. So that means everything around us can be in chaos, but if we seek out God's vision, we can have happiness, and so I'm going to be reading to y'all Zechariah on today. Um, I'm going to be in the first chapter, the 7th through the 17th verse. And if you know anything about the book of Zechariah, the book starts off with eight visions that God gives Zechariah. And you got to know the context of what's happening. So Zechariah is a prophet, and he's prophesying during the time that God's people are returning from exile. Right. And, and the, at, the, at the moment that he's prophesying, it is not the very beginning of their return. It's kind of like to the middle of the end of their return. And so the prophet Haggai, if you read that book, he was he was prophe- prophesying during the beginning of their return from exile. He was prophesying during the beginning of their return from exile. And he was very hard on the people. He like, y'all got to get to work. We got a lot of work to do to rebuild. Well, Zechariah comes along after Haggai, and he's prophesying, and what he prophesies is a mix of tough love, right? What he's preaching is a mix of tough love, and it's a mix of y'all hope for the future. And that's what we need. And that's what a lot of churches don't give anymore. They just... They just tell us the the hope for the future. Everything going to be all right. Sugarcoat it. Right? Without the tough love. 
But that's not real vision. God wants us to see the whole picture. He wants preachers to preach the whole word. Right? You got to have God has the full picture. If God has the full picture, why would he just tell you to focus on one part of it? Right? So I'm picking up in Zechariah 1, verses 7 through 17. It says, in the second year that Darius was emperor, on the 24th day of the 11th month, the Lord gave me a message in a vision at night. And so the first thing I want to say is, I want to say that scripture is specific. Right? The 24th day of the 11th month at night. And the reason that God gives those details is because God says certain things to us at certain seasons in our life at certain times. And if you ignore it, you're going to mess up that whole season. If you you ignore what he's showing you in that 11th month on the 24th day and in that dream that you have at night and you just put it on the back burner like he's not talking to you, you're going to you're ignoring the vision, which means you're going to be walking outside of his guidance, which means you are wondering. God is saying, I'm showing you these things for a reason. The eighth verse says, I saw someone riding a red horse. He stopped among the myrtle trees in the valley, and behind him were other horses, red, dappled, and white. Dappled means mixed color. I saw him. Sir, what do these horses mean? He answered, I will show you what they mean. So that's my second point. If you ask God what this means, he will show you what it means. Right? When God speaks to you, he's not trying to keep a secret from you. If he wanted to keep a secret from you, he wouldn't have spoke to you in the first place. So when he's speaking to you, he wants you to understand what he's saying. But a lot of times, what do we do? We don't respond. Anybody read about about the the, the boy Samuel, right? When he was having them dreams, he woke up. And each time he woke up, he's like, I don't know what's going on. And then then eventually the man told him, like, that's the Lord talking to you, boy. The next time he the next time he says something to you, respond. Right. So so Zechariah asked him and he said, what do these horses mean? He answered, I will show you what they mean. The Lord sent them to go and inspect the earth. They reported to the angel. We have been all over the world and found that the whole world lies helpless. And subdued. So that's my next point. That God is looking over the whole earth. He sees everything that's happening. He sees what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening in Russia, what's happening in the Middle East, what's happening in little old Albany, what's happening in whatever your address is, fill in the blank. Right? He sees it all. So you can't go, you can't go in your little bubble and think, don't nobody see what you're doing or how you acting. He sees it all. Okay. So these angels say, you know, God sent them to, to search the earth. They've been over the whole earth. They have found the whole world. It lies helpless and subdued. The angels said, Almighty Lord, you have been angry with Jerusalem in the city of Judah for 70 years now. How much longer will it be before you show them mercy? So let me explain to y'all what's happening. So God's people have been in captivity for 70 years. God has been mad with them for 70 years. 
while all over the earth, everything is at peace. So what Zechariah, what, what, what Zechariah is saying, or what the angel is saying is, Lord, you're going to let everybody around your people be at peace. How long are you going to keep treating your own people like this? And so a lot of times as Christians, what we need to understand is God sees things differently. It may seem like all these people around you getting away with stuff as you suffer, as you trying to run this race for God, as you trying to get right. It may seem like all of these things at peace, all these other people are at peace. But y'all got to understand that God sees the bigger picture. If you know anything about scripture, the reason that God allowed them to go into captivity in the first place was to cure them from their idol worship. How many of y'all know that scripture says that if God doesn't chastise you, you a bastard? Right? So it's almost like you just let your child run wild and you never correct them. If you don't correct them, that means you don't what? You don't love them. Because you know eventually if they just running around wild, off, off just, just doing whatever they want to do, eventually they're going to hit a wall and they might kill themselves or die. So it may seem like all of these other people are getting away with things while God is being hard on his people, but it's not what it seems. So the angel says, Lord, how long are you going to, how long are you going to keep being tough on your people before you show them mercy? The Lord answered the angel with comforting words, and the angel told me to proclaim what the Lord Almighty, he said, I have a deep love and concern for Jerusalem, my holy city. And I am very angry with the nations that enjoy quiet and peace. How many of y'all know that God is close to the brokenhearted? That God is like, he, you, right? He came for the sick and the lost. He came for the blind. Right? When it seemed like everybody getting away with stuff, that's when you need to be scared for real. Right? That's when you need to be scared for real. But when you are having difficulties in your life and you can't figure that thing out, God is trying to get your attention. But a lot of times we don't see the bigger picture. God say, I'm very angry with these nations that enjoy peace and quiet. He say, for while I was holding back my anger against my people, those nations made the sufferings of my people worse. So two things, even though it may seem like you're going through something or you don't, you're not where you want to be, God is still holding back his anger. You still deserve worse. I want you to know that. Amen. Even when it's bad, you still deserve, technically, you still deserve worse. But God in his love holds certain things back from you. That might not make sense to some of y'all right now, especially if you're in a really bad situation. But it will by the time I get done. Mm. He said, I'm angry with these people because, like, it's almost like he's saying, like, I don't like other people trying to whip my children. Right? If they did something wrong, I'll whoop them. I don't need your help. Like sometimes when I'm fussing at my daughter and, and my son try to chime in, like, yeah, that's right. You did something. We like, uh-uh. We got this. You don't have to put your two cents in. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening right here. God is like, yeah, I know I've been hard on my people, but I'm also extra mad at these people who trying to make it hard on, on my children. Like God is concerned about you. So in the 16th verse, he says, so I have come back to Jerusalem to show mercy to the city. My temple will be restored 
and the city will be rebuilt. He's talking to he's talking to his people, but I want you to know God is talking to you today. It may look one way, but God is able to restore you and he's able to rebuild you. The angel also told me to proclaim the Lord Almighty says that his cities will be prosperous again and that he once again will help Jerusalem claim the city as his own. And all of that, God gave Zechariah all of that in a night vision. Why you tell us that, Pastor? Because I want you to know, sometimes when God is trying to show you something, it's not always clear cut. That's right. we, 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 we want him to just say, Teacher Tony, I need you to go here, do this, and, and then do that, and then everything going to be all right. Just straightforward, like straight to the point like that. But sometimes, most of the time, it's not like that. He's going to send you a dream about four horses, and you're going to be like, God, why am I dreaming about these horses? Why am I dreaming about these snakes? Why did why this happen? Why, why? Right? Because the reason for that is God wants you to seek after him. But we lazy. We just, just tell us what to do so we can get blessed. But God wants you to see. He like He's trying to correct some stuff in you. So he got to make it kind of not... It's not that he's trying to keep it a secret from, but he got to make. He want to see if you really want to know the answer or not. He wanted to see if you really want to know the answer. So God is speaking to His people in this crazy dream about some horses. But the point is, He's willing to give the revelation. Question is, are you willing to listen? Amen. So here are my thoughts from this vision in Zechariah. Thought one. God sees things differently. And when I wrote this down, and, and, and I just gave my wife this little snippet, she said, I understand what you're saying. She said, that means. I want y'all to know, I just said, I said, I, I can say truly that I love everybody. And talking specifically to this church, y'all are easy to love, but all of y'all ain't easy to like. Y'all are easy to love. Easy to love. I love you regardless of what you've done, what you've been through. Like, Because I know God is able. I'm going somewhere with this. This is vision right now. This is vision. Remember I, I told y'all that Zechariah, he's prophesying tough love and he's also prophesying hope for the future. I don't know if y'all saw the first slide, but it had a tree. One side was full of leaves and the other side was bare. Right? Y'all are easy to love, but some of y'all are hard to like. And the reason that I love you is because I have a vision of what God wants to do with you as your pastor. I see what you're supposed to be. And when I say I don't like you, it's because I see you working, consciously working against God's vision for you. Like God is tugging on you saying, come on, I got something for you. And you're like, no, I don't want that. And I don't like that as your, as your pastor. I don't like that. And the reason I don't like it is because I love you. I see who you are. And then I got in my notes, I say somebody probably saying, how you going to tell me who I am? <laughs> right? I see who y'all are. My old pastor used to say, how I'm going to be a pastor and I don't know the sheep. Right. What's the what's the purpose of a pastor that don't know the sheep? What's the purpose of serving a God who don't know everything? 
Yeah. Right? What's like that 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 will put him on on and not comparing myself to God, but if we thought about God like that, that would put him on our level. He just as clueless as us. He living it out step by step just like us. What's the what's the purpose of having a pastor that ain't at least a few steps ahead? I ain't saying I'm just I'm better than everybody else, but if he's gonna choose me to serve his people, then I gotta be a few steps ahead, Donna. Just a few. If I'm gonna lead, I gotta be a few steps ahead. So I see who you are because I've seen you happy. I know what I know what your marriage is supposed to look like, right? I know what your marriage is supposed to look. I know what your kids supposed to look like. I know the I know the joy that you. I know what it's look like when a person has joy in their heart. I know what it looks like when there's peace in the home. I know what it looks like when a person is being truthful and when they lying. I know what it looks like when a person is being prideful versus humble. I see who you are because I've seen you happy. I stopped like. If if I was to look at if I was to look at past tense, for example, if I was to look at past tense wife, I probably wouldn't want to be married to. Him. Right? I wouldn't. So I got to set my 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 sights and my vision on the hope above. And she could say the same thing about me. For some of us, even if we look at present tense us, if we don't set our hope above, some of us will be like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. I don't know how much longer I can put up with my child. I don't know how much longer I can put up with these people on my job. But God has to give us a vision of what it's supposed to be. And then we have to go to work to help that, to help that thing come about. And so I'm not a mind reader. I'm not a fortune teller. I'm just a servant. And what Zechariah is presenting is an image of godly suffering. And I want y'all to know that godly suffering and glory go hand in hand. But you got to have light. You got to have vision to bring it into focus. And so I have some I have some visuals that's going to come up on the screen and I'm going to almost be done. But I want y'all to know that this book is what Zechariah is preaching to his people is a flashlight. So this book starts with 70 years of seeming fail, like, like failure. And it may seem like in your life, 20 years of failure, 30 years of failure. You know, I, I know so many people who like to think I should be somewhere different by now. It may seem like all of these years of failure, right? And that's how this book starts off. It starts off with 70 years of failure in the nation and the people that have rejected God. You maybe you have turned your back on God. Grandma was trying to get you to go to church when you were little. You just ignored or whatever. And you went left and the things didn't happen. And you feel so far gone. It seems like you just can't make it. You don't have nowhere to go. Right? Yeah. That's how this book starts. 70 years of failure of people that have rejected God. They were taken into captivity. God brings them back. And then he starts to give them perspective. And and Zachariah's contemporary, meaning like his buddy, somebody that was alive at the same, they were alive at the same time, 
was Haggai. And I told y'all that Haggai was like, he was just a straight up preacher. He was tough. Y'all need to get the word, rebuild the temple. Zechariah is like, yeah, y'all need to get the word. But I also want y'all to think about the future and what's coming and how God is going to restore and how God going to rebuild. I'm, I'm breaking y'all somewhere right now. So I started thinking about this and I said, God, it's just like Pastor Carter, who was the former pastor. I said, she was my contemporary. She started this thing off, right? She started this thing off. She sold into the ones that were, were up under her before she passed. She sold into y'all, right? And then turned it over to me. And guess what's going to happen when I'm gone, right? God going to turn it over to somebody else. And some of y'all going to say, I remember when Pastor, when Pastor Johnson was here. And then them babies who weren't born yet, they ain't not going to know nothing about me. They're not going to know nothing about Pastor Carter. They gonna like, they just going to know whoever the pastor is at that time. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, what I'm saying is, I'm saying this because God has this huge vision that spans across all these centuries and all these people. And he got this big old plan. And you think he don't know about you? He knows about you. And he got a plan for you. And he's got people in place for you. Zechariah is a flashlight. And so a lot of times we need one thing when we starting out. And then we need something else along the way. And then at the end of the way, like as I get older, I'm just realizing either way you cut it, whether it's Pastor Carter, whether it's me and whoever come after me, it's still going to be about Jesus. It's still going to be about Jesus. Whether the building change, whether the musicians change, whether the pastor change. The only thing at the end of the day is going to matter is Jesus being preached. Is Jesus being preached. And a lot of what we go through, a lot of what we go through is not godly suffering. Because I told y'all, godly suffering and glory go hand in hand. A lot of stuff that we go through are because of things that we did. God was trying to grant us vision. Leave that man alone now. Don't go there. Pay attention in school. Stop hanging with this crowd. Don't take this. Don't take that. Don't lay down. Don't open your legs. Don't. Right? Trying to give vision. But without vision, people perish. Yet in his love, he's still willing to restore and rebuild. So in spite of it all, God is good. And this is where vision comes from. Jesus makes things happen in spite of us. But a lot of times our vision is short-sighted. We either see the cross or the crime. We either see the cross or the crown. Most of us just want to see the crown. We just want to see the blessing. We want to see the end result. But Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. Right? For those that see the cross, all they see is suffering and pain. So they say, how can it be a God when that's all that there is? They just see all the bad stuff that's happening. Right? If that's the God that they serve, I don't want none of that. Right? 
but you got to put the two of them things together. What allowed Jesus to get the crown? It was the cross. Jesus don't sit on the right hand of God without the cross. You got to put the two together. You ever thought about he had a crown of thorn? Right? A crown of thorns. It was a crown of suffering. And that's to demonstrate that, you know, without the cross, there's, there, there's no us getting up. Without him going to the cross and getting up on the third day, it's not, it's no, it's no us, there's no dry bones getting up. Like was preached on last Sunday. The cross addresses our failures and our shortcomings, but we hate the cross. We don't want to suffer now. Right? We love it with our mouth, and we, we love it with our mouth, but we like, Lord, I'm so glad that you died for me. Well, what when you when we say that he died for us, what do we talk? He died for our sins. So that means you're a sinner, right? So that means you got to deal with your sin. But we don't want to talk about that part. We just want the crown. We love the cross with our mouth, but not with our heart. We don't love the fact that he died for our sins. Like, Lord, you you are the reason. You make it possible for me to change. You make it possible for me to change. So we either see God as failing or he's winning when actually God never fails. We look around and we be like, God, where are you? You ain't coming through. That means we see him as failing, like you ain't who you say you are. Right? Or we see him winning, like when everything going good, God, you good, we ready to pray. Right? We sing his songs. But the truth is, whether things are good or whether they bad, God never fails. How many of y'all want to be humiliated? You want to be divorced. You want to be bankrupt. You want to move back home with your parents. You want to be overweight to have health issues. You want to be filling the blank. I don't want to be there. Well, that's the cross. That's the cross. That's the cross. That's all the things that he died for. When you get humiliated, he got you. When you're going through divorce, he got you. When you got financial problems, Jehovah Jireh, he's your provider. That's all the stuff that he died for. So if you want to pretend like that, I don't want none of that. What the word say to a person that deny that they are sinning? He say the truth is not in you. You a liar. That's the cross. You got to go through that to get to the crown. These are the things that the cross handles and they make right. So my final question as I come in is, what do you see when you see a cross? Do you see humiliation or do you see glory? What do you see when you're going through? Do you see God failing you or do you see him trying to produce a new you? Do you see him trying to get your attention? Do you see him trying to get you to surrender? Do you see him keeping you here in spite of everything that you've been through and trying to bring you to a new place? Trying to give you a vision, trying to give you that Jeremiah 29, trying to give you a hope in the future. What do you see when you see the cross? What do you see when you think about Jesus? Y'all realize this was the king of kings and he died a death of humiliation? So what make us think we ain't got to go through nothing to be blessed? How many of y'all walk outside and find $100 bills on the ground all the time? How many of y'all walk outside and see pennies on the ground? 
you want stuff easy. But stuff easy, most of the time it's something easy, it ain't worth having. The reason you find pennies on the ground because people don't feel like I need to take the time to pick this up. Just leave it down there. The reason you don't find $100 bill because if somebody sees one, they're going to pick it up. They're going to pick it up. They're going to take the time to pick it up. We want stuff easy. We want stuff easy. But God took them through all of this. And when I say he took them through, now I'm not talking about he caused it. I'm saying he carried. God carried you through all that to bring you to this day. Now, what is your vision for this day? Are you going to walk out the door the same way you came in? And then say, God, where are you? You say, I just talked to you for a whole 45 minutes. To get you to think about me. Now, if you don't listen, that's on you. What do you see when you see the cross? Do you see humiliation or glory? I see glory. I was looking at those pictures on the computer and I'm just like, God, you are good. You are good. Right? The only way I know that, I would be, without God's vision, I would be lost. I would be distraught. I look at my mother-in-law and I'm looking at them pictures, right? And, and, and I could be sad. Do I want her to be healed? Yes. That's the desire of my heart. But big picture, I wouldn't be the man that I am today without her. Big picture. When I came to the Lord, she was already rolling with him. She already had a relationship with him. So that gives me confidence and faith and hope that when she leaves, she's going to be all right and I'm going to see her again and I won't have to worry about this disease. That's big picture. Small vision say, God, where are you? Why you won't heal? I'm serving you. I'm your, I'm your, I'm your, I'm your pastor. I'm your servant. Why you won't heal? That's small picture. Big picture say God got it. But we don't want the cross. Right? God say, oh, you say you love me? Well, son, I want you to take care of my daughter while she go through this illness to prove to me that you love me. Right? We don't look at it like that, right? Can you make the sacrifice? Or you going to stick her somewhere and don't check on her? Right? Uh oh. <laughs> right? Can you make the sacrifice in your marriage to put somebody else first? You are, are you willing to raise somebody else's child like they your own? Right? Vision. Vision. If y'all go home and say, you know what, after the pastor preached this song, make me a vision board. Don't put what you want. Put people on there. Put, your, put a picture of your mama on there. Put a picture of your daddy on there. Put a picture of your children on there. And start praying over, Lord, this is what I want for my mama. This is what I see for my mama. Write joy and peace under their name. Write deliverance under their name. Right? Write something like that under there. That's, that's real vision. Don't just don't, don't don't just try to make your make your life into a fairy tale and call it vision. 
That's not biblical. Your life is not going to be a fairy tale full of everything that you want. But God is able to restore and rebuild. And that's what we should see when we think about Jesus. That's what we should see when we see the cross. Amen. 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 Y'all come on and give the Lord a hand.